Okay, so hi everybody and welcome back to another episode of Faith Brunel's Insights. I'm Faith Brunel and today I'm joined by Roy. Roy, how are you today? Doing well, thanks. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm well, thank you. Just very busy because we're actually currently recording this something to six. So it's been a very busy day for me. Um, Roy, before we actually get stuck into the episode today, could you briefly introduce yourself to the listeners for me, please? Well, thing. Uh, So my name is Roy Kiruri. I am a Kenyan national. I did my undergrad and postgrad studies in the UK. So I did my undergrad in law at the University of Bristol, my postgrad at Queen Mary University of London. And then between my undergrad and postgrad, I worked in the Students' Union in Bristol. And during my master's year, I tried to make a really concerted effort to try and secure a training contract. I've been doing so for about five application cycles beforehand, but I really decided to put in a big push. And I signed up for this commercial awareness competition that Aspiring Solicitors runs. Thankfully, I made it through all the way to the final. And then as a result of that, I've ended up getting a vacation scheme to one of the sponsor firms called Scadden, and then ultimately a training contract. And that is me right now. I'm just doing the LLM SQE right now, BPP. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's me. Wonderful, Roy. Thank you for a very brief overview. But there's, a, there's a clearly a lot to unpick today. And, and hopefully today in the episode, we'll only, well, due to limited time, we can only talk briefly about your wonderful achievements. But I'm sure that if the listeners would like to follow up following this interview, they can connect with you on LinkedIn. Um, I, I actually caught one thing. Um, one of the things I caught from your wonderful introduction was that you were studying at BPP University. I'll actually mm-hmm. be doing my Law Foundation Master's course at BPP University next year. Um, I'll be doing one online followed by my journey to become a barrister so yes that's BPP a little shout out to BPP University there um but yes so let's get let's get stuck in because we've got quite a lot of stuff to talk about um so for those who actually been keeping up with the Faith and Other Insights podcast you'll notice that last week we heard from Omar and Omar is actually the founder of the Mentors Collective and Roy here is actually a mentor at the Mentors Collective so Roy can you talk to me a little bit about how you kind of came across the Mentors Collective and and and, and how it's going so far yeah sure um so luckily i've been connected to omar on linkedin for a while so every time he'd be posting developments with the collective i'd sort of be following that keenly and subsequently as the last year and a half went on a lot of my friends who ended up securing training contracts either were mentees that then transitioned into mentors or when they did their you know big linkedin thanks message as everyone does um they thanked their mentors who were from the mentor collective and then eventually omar actually reached out to me a couple of months ago he said you know well done for getting your training contract we'd love to be able to sort of tap into the resources and the experiences that you have to offer would you be keen um and i was definitely keen to take up the opportunity i think within the limits of my availability now that I'm studying and back then I was working um, but I really wanted to I think it's it's that whole mentality of it's it's a very difficult process to be able to go through whether it's trying to become a barrister whether it's trying to become a solicitor there's a lot of hoops and holes you need to jump through and lots of little tidbits of information that aren't necessarily the most apparent so if I'm able to make that journey even like a bit easier for someone you know I'd be more than happy to do that so yeah I started being a mentor I believe it was towards the end of August and yeah it's it's been going well so far I think the structure of as you've probably seen the structure of how TMC runs compared to other mentoring programs is that we sort of just have a Calendly link where we sort of put our availability which is quite good because obviously we can merge it around you know studies or other commitments we have Um, and it also gives us now the ability to help a variety of different people so even so far in about the month and a half that i've been doing it i've already spoken to about seven or eight mentees um so it's it's really good to just try and like pass on that knowledge as best i can 
That's wonderful, Roy. Thank you for sharing. Uh, thank you for sharing your experience, your perspective of being a mentor at the Mentors Collective, which is a wonderful non-profit organisation to help aspiring legal professionals. And as we discussed last week, and I reiterate, it's wonderful that you that you want to give back to other people, even though you are very very busy yourself and you're studying as well. You know, it's really good to be able to give back to other people. And as you said, some information is not that apparent as well. So that's why I am blessed to have a mentor who is a King's Counsel, and she actually talks to me regularly. We talk about you know the barrister journey. And she gives me tips as well so I implore anybody who is an aspiring legal professional I know that Omar did say that their mentee waitlist is full they're, they're literally like they're inundated now but hopefully um hopefully very soon it might um, empty up a little bit and you can actually get that and maybe you'll even meet Roy or Omar as well so that will be great for you to then uh, expand your network so thank you Roy for giving us a wonderful insight into that as well and I think that you know so I wanted to kind of like delve further into your experience at TMC among other things we will get to other things but just on the subject of TMC um I know that obviously you know you have an active role you, you know as you said you know you, there is a calendar link where people can kind of just you know book you according to your availability so you're actually guiding aspiring league professionals so what advice do you typically offer and I, I understand obviously because it's a bit similar to the Chatham House rules you can't go into everything that you've spoken to an individual mentee about but can you give us a little sense or a gist of the kind of advice you typically offer to help these mentees excel in their legal careers especially in a highly competitive environment like in the uk legal sector uh yeah sure thing so a lot of these mentees will come to me with a variety of questions <laughs> many of them basically being like i'm quite interested in scadden for example and you know i've prepared an application like a first draft or a second draft would you mind reviewing it so they'll send me that beforehand and then i'll sort of mark it up send it back to them and they say we'll discuss this further in the meeting so that's how majority of the meetings have gone so far other meetings have just been trying to sort of pinpoint the skills that they need to develop in order to really showcase those to whichever respective firms they're looking at. Yeah. I guess, obviously, you need to realize when people are applying, they sort of come to you at different stages of the spectrum of applying. So you get the people who are like, I'm absolutely certain I want to apply to these eight or 10 firms. I've been doing these particular things in order to like bolster my commercial awareness. I've been doing this to network with people. And then you have people on the other complete opposite end of the scale, which is absolutely nothing wrong with, um, where they're just like, I'm just getting into this. I don't really know what I should be doing, who I should be talking to you know, which direction I should be heading in. Um, and that's why like the advice tends to vary depending on, you know, the individual and sort of the needs and the interests that they have when yeah. they come to me. Wonderful. Yeah, it sounds like a very streamlined and a very streamlined and specific approach, very subjective according to what the particular mentee at the time is needing and what gaps there are in their knowledge, as you said, to kind of fine tune those things. I'm sure that really as a mentee and a mentor, there's, there's that duality that both that both people can hone in their hone in, hone in their legal skills and develop further skills, uh, you know, in terms of you know applying to these certain law firms as well and making sure that their application will stand out from the crowd because law is very competitive and you want to basically have that edge over other applicants as well and you mentioned Skadden which is actually one of my next questions as well because you transition from uh, a mentorship you know you're, you're kind of transitioning from a mentorship role you know you're doing both simultaneously to a future training solicitor at Skadden that's a, that's a very significant and it's a very wonderful step so congratulations to you there to be able to you know I think for me you really epitomize that work life you know the work life you know the work life and study balance to add that third condition in so could you share some insights into how your mentorship experiences have actually influenced your approach to your legal practice and what you know aspects of commercial law are you most excited to explore at Skadden? Sure thing um 
So I'd say one thing that's really lovely about mentoring is that it almost acts as a check on your own knowledge because I'm sure you've heard that saying, if you can't explain, you know, like whatever concept it is to a five-year-old and you haven't fully understood it. <laughs> so there's a lot of like really complex convoluted topics that, you know, I've spent um, like the last couple of years, like learning, getting to grips with, but then you ultimately need to sort of also learn how to distill them down in order to communicate them effectively, which again, communication, a very important skill for, you know, any type of lawyer. Um, so I think I really enjoyed mentoring, being that check to continuously, you know, develop my own abilities, but also ensure that they're of a suitable standard. Um, and now sort of when you, when you bring that into legal practice, so I was a paralegal for the last few years and let's say, my role sort of sat at the middle of what's kind of known as the like the LP relationship or the limited partnership relationship. So generally in the funds ecosystem, you'll have the GPs or the sponsors and they're the ones creating a fund. And then you'll have the LPs or the investors and they're the ones, you know, committing their capital to that fund. And primarily when you're dealing with the LPs, you have three primary parties. You'll have the fund themselves, and then you'll have the LP, and then you'll have the fund administrator. And the fund administrator is quite important because they deal with all the tax and the KYC, and you sort of act as a middleman between all of those different moving parts, but especially between the LP and the fund administrator. So now when you know you might have differences of opinion or differences of understanding, having those communication skills that I just talked about is really useful to now translate into settings like that to make sure that you, know, you ultimately deliver yeah. the best outcome for everyone that's involved, all the different stakeholders. Um, so that's just one example of how I've used those skills from mentoring to now, you know, be effective <laughs> in legal practice. And that's even before I've actually qualified. Um, I think I've answered your question. Was yes, there you have, you, yes, you've given me yeah. a very detailed sense of, um, you know, just a few of the kind of like legal kind of like frameworks and things that you've really picked up as well. And a lot of legal jargon there. So if anybody who's an aspiring professional, definitely make some notes here because Roy is really delving deeply um, into the legal um, into the legal. Um, landscape um so i want to talk about a little bit about so just for, for those who aren't aware what kyc stands for could you just could you just kind of explore the acronym for me yeah sure uh so kyc means know your client or know your customer it's effectively the documentation that you'll request from your client or customer both at the start of that transaction taking place or that relationship um kicking off but also now throughout whatever matter or transaction that you're dealing with so this could be things like driving licenses or passports or annual reports just to sort of verify a that the person is who they claim for the organization exactly yeah. and same for organizations but also be let's say if there's a acquisition that they need to do and they're going to need you know 20 million dollars and that you need to show effectively how much revenue they're making how much profit they're making Definitely. and it all needs to add up to because it mustn't be like a massive hole saying oh so it says that this company you know on the books um received like $10 million, for example but then there's only five that's showing in the accounts to make that make sense yeah. um so it's it's just about basically knowing your customer, your client as well as possible. And I think you should think of it both in terms of protecting yourself, but also in terms of protecting your client, because yeah. now there's also various regulations that they need to abide by in any instance. So by you sort of running those checks and saying, okay, you know, there might be discrepancies here. They can also now bolster their own internal systems. Um, so yeah, that's essentially what KYC is. 
Thank you, Roy, for that um, that insight into KYC. And it really, it really brings me back, excuse me, to the due diligence. Due diligence is, is key, it's important to make sure, that, as you said, that, that the person is who they claim to be, but it's also to protect your client and it's to protect yourself as well, to make sure that you are actually adhering to everything and every framework, every guideline, every principle that you need to adhere to as a legal professional as well, um, and to be, um, you know, and to be who you are, who you need to be um, in that situation as well, because obviously these people come to you as well for a certain service and they want that service to be executed in the best way um, that it can be as well and that really ties into really the importance of commercial awareness which kind of kind of sits separately but it, it, it is still important so that you <clears throat> excuse me so that you are aware of what's going on and, and you can actually attest you, you can actually prove to, to your client that you are knowledgeable and that you can actually deliver what they've come to you for um, and you really because you mentioned that you mentioned a wide range of practice areas that you're interested in so could you kind of share a specific experience or project that really solidified your passion in your, in your drive for corporate and commercial law? Sure thing. Um, so my second internship that I ever did was at a bank in Kenya, and it was called at the time the Commercial Bank of Africa. It's since merged with another bank called NIC to be called NCBA Group PLC. Um, and that was my first real exposure to financial law because the first internship I did exposed me to corporate law and that was about a year prior, year and a half prior. So that was a really interesting experience because it had very multifaceted things that I could do. So one of the things I did was, you know, running research on banking laws, land laws, insurance laws in Kenya. Um, I learned about conveyancing principles and those types of transactions involving land are particularly important in Kenya, um, given just the prevalence of how that's, typically the asset that most people will have when they're looking to build wealth. Um, I reviewed lots of different contractual agreements, so whether it be like credit facility agreements, um, charges, leases, and then I also learned the difference between secured and unsecured loans um, to sort of give a bit of simple background. A secured loan is basically something where if I'm a bank and you know Faith is someone looking to get some money from me, she will give me, let's say, a car to hold on to. Um, but not physically, just the value of the car. And it's basically yeah. just to say, if Faith defaults, I get the car and then I give her the money. It's basically just to cover myself. And that's what a secured loan is. An unsecured loan, effectively, you don't take security on you know, whatever loan that you're providing. And that tied into now how banks and financial institutions generally run risk management and how they sort of accommodate that into in the into their different processes yeah. is another thing that I was really intrigued by. Um, so I mean, yeah, I did this internship at the end of my first year. So we're talking 2018. So it's been quite a bit of time since then. But mm -hmm. that was definitely something that sparked my interest in financial law in particular and sort of continued my interest in corporate law. And then since then, I did a couple of online internships and online courses, and I went on to do a master's in banking and finance yeah. law. So I think I think that was definitely a very pivotal moment in definitely. sort of heading me down this trajectory. That ties in actually um, to my next comment as well, because everyone must have a catalyst moment, you know, your, your pivotal moment that actually kind of it has an, it has an impact and decides what you're going to do with your life. And obviously, like some people might, some people now might not know what, what they want to do in the next 20 years. That's fine. But there is always a tipping point moment, as Malcolm Gladwell terms it. So actually, you know, to actually get yourself from A to B and for you to understand what you want to do, how you want to hone your skills and you know, what you want to actually use your pre-existing skills to do. And I think that's 
why with my transferable skills comes in because for myself, even though I've just completed a non-law degree reading politics at King's College London, it will still actually shape the barrier that I will become because there are transferable skills. And as you mentioned, the secured loan versus the compared to the unsecured loan, there are things that have actually that have actually in your mindset that, that have stuck to your mind um, and that, that you that you will remember. So whatever you're doing, that will kind of come back to you because it was something that was interesting to you, even myself. I could literally name a number of political concepts, you know, that, that are that are political because it was actually ingrained in my mindset because it was a three-year degree. But it doesn't mean that I'll forget them when I'm a barrister. It actually means that I'll use them actually to propel myself further um, into, into human rights law, into international law, which is what I want to do. So to all the listeners who are out there, even if you're unsure about what you want to do at the moment, as Roy's really um, emphasised as well, he, you know, he, although he did this internship in 2018, um, in 2023, he still has that knowledge because it was something that he was passionate about something that he was intrigued by and something that he actually used as you know as he said it was pivotal so it actually pivoted um that kind of change from a to b um and really that kind of ties into the next couple of questions i've got for you really kind of stemming from the kind of key skills and characteristics of a solicitor so in your kind of personal opinion what are the key skills and qualities that a successful corporate solicitor should possess especially in the fields that you are interested in um, that is a great question, and I will illustrate it by actually touching on my time working in the Students' Union in Bristol. Mm -hmm. So my role was International Students' Officer, and that is a sabbatical officer role, which yes. means you can either take it in between your studies or after you finish your studies. I did the latter, and effectively what it was was just to advocate for the needs and interests of all the international students at Bristol, at the University of Bristol, that is both EU and non-EU international mm -hmm. students. Now, one of the particular tasks that I had to do was a lot of stakeholder management, dealing with both internal and external stakeholders. So internal stakeholders would be staff working within the students' union. External stakeholders would be everyone working in fairly senior management positions in the university, including, mm -hmm. you know, the provost and vice chancellor. So real decision makers in the university. And that type of, or those types of roles and those types of jobs included things like communication skills, both mm -hmm. oral and written negotiation skills, because especially when you're sort of advocating for at times contentious or at times not really seeming as an important interest from other stakeholders' perspectives. But let's say another stakeholder I had to manage was all the international students who would feed in all these different pieces of information and say mm -hmm. what's most important to them, what's not as important to them. So now sort of relaying that back to the university and seeing where we can, you know, align on points to see what we can deliver and be impactful on. That was another really important thing. So negotiation is absolutely crucial. Problem solving again is sort of like another element to that, um, to that style of trying to find synergies and find balance between parties' interests. Um, so those are just a couple of the skills. Now, in terms of representing international students, obviously you have so many different international students, so they have such varying needs and they also want things to be done in a different in varying time frames so now you're think thinking about things like time management and organization again crucially important all the way from the start all the way to throughout your career um another last bit i'll talk about is actually how varied the role was so when people sort of think of those roles it's essentially a political role because you know i had to campaign and have flyers about and you know go and chat to people and give them sweets and say i'm going to do all these amazing things in my manifesto mm -hmm. and obviously that's all really important and good but it had so many 
other parts of the role. So for example, I was a trustee of the charity because students unions generally are registered charities by the Charity yeah. Commission. I was also a non-executive director, um, which meant that now I had to review documents like the articles, the bylaws, annual accounts, um, and other C-suite level administrative documents. So those involve things like strategic thinking and teamwork, because again, you're sort of working together to ultimately make decisions on really mission critical things. Um, and a lot of those skills that I've mentioned, you would need to employ throughout your legal career. So definitely things that even before you start in start in your legal career even as you're in the process of applying or sort of figuring out what practice area you want to be in or even figuring out whether you want to be a solicitor or a barrister yeah they're very cross-functional so those will serve you well whichever type of lawyer you end up wanting to be um i think ultimately what you should be aware of is that when you have those skills you're better able to deliver value to clients and really that's what a client will pay a firm and by extension firm or you know a set of chambers um by extension you as a lawyer working there um they're paying you for your value that you're providing them so you know the more value you can provide you know the better for the, the client better. as well to exactly. fit their needs and i, I completely wrong. there's definitely there is there is clearly a synergy between skills as well and you know in terms of the solicitors and barristers there has to be a synergy as well because they have to work together and it's better when you can actually bring skills to the table that you know that you that can be cut that can come together um and be really very beneficial to the client and as you mentioned before um in your role that was a that it, it was a sabbatical role it actually allowed you actually to kind of move to the next level in terms of organization independent thinking you know it allowed you to really think about and develop a strategy that would be plausible to implement as well as you said that you had to review a series of documents as well and you know without those roles it might not have actually you know propelled you as much because you might not have had those actually those, those first-hand those skills and that experience to actually shape this listener that you will be and so that's why I always emphasize to the listeners as well that transferable skills element that it might not be in the sector that you want to actually undertake in the future as I said before um, as I've always maintained I used to work as a barista serving coffee, um, you know, but although um, although that's not going to be directly linked to my legal career, it actually helped me to build the customer service as well in terms of, you know, you know, in terms of interacting with different people from different cultural backgrounds and, and different socioeconomic backgrounds as well. And that's what actually helps you to understand, um, you know, your future career. And really, as I said before, um, you've clearly demonstrated a wide range of knowledge in terms of not only in terms of the legal sphere, but in terms of the wider context as well, because you've brought in your other um, your other skills, your other experience and your other knowledge as well um, to the role. So thank you, Roy, for coming on the Faith Brother Insights podcast this evening. We've had a great chat about your wonderful role, you know, you know how you're studying and how you're going to be a solicitor. And I have no doubt that you'll be a great solicitor to bring together all of your skills of time management, your skills of productivity, um, all of your strategic skills as well. You know, because clearly uh, all these experiences have helped you to sharpen and to hone in your pre-existing skills and strengthen it for your future for your legal career so thank you very much and um, if you want to connect with Roy I'm sure you can connect with him via LinkedIn um, because LinkedIn is a very it's a hub for networking um, so you can definitely head across there and I will link um, Roy's LinkedIn into the description box below 
um, as as always, as I always say, it's not an event, it's a journey. Um, and as I always say, keep going, um, you know, just don't worry about anything. And that's why the Faith Month Insights podcast is here to bring you a range of guest speakers who can offer a different perspective on their journey and how they've actually propelled themselves into their success and also understanding the context and foundation of principles and strategies. So thank you, Roy. Um, I will, um, as I said, we'll see you next week for another episode, for another installment, which will feature Suzanne Reese, um, who is um, an educator at a company called Inspire to Study and a lecturer. See you all soon, everybody. And it's not an event, it's a journey. Without further ado, this is your host, Faith Brunel, signing off. Bye-bye.